Let us open our ears, our minds, our imaginations, and our souls as we listen across time and space and seek to hear this story again for the first time. Our reading from the Hebrew Scriptures this morning is Leviticus, chapter 25, verses 1 through 12. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their yield. But in the seventh year there, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. You may eat what the land yields during its Sabbath, you, your male and female slaves, your hired and your bound laborers who live with you, for your livestock also and for the wild animals in your land, all its yield shall be for food. You shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. Then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud, and on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the Day of Atonement, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all your land, and you shall hallow the fiftieth year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return, every one of you, to your property, and every one of you to your family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. You shall not sow or reap the aftergrowth or harvest the unpruned vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you, and you shall eat only what the field itself produces. The wisdom of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God of our days and years, of calm wind and rushing water, artist of souls, potter of creation, we thank you for this day and for this time to discern the ways in which your word speaks to us anew. Might we open our hearts and our minds to listen, and may the words of my mouth the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The year is 1751. 
the bell that hangs in the colonial state house of Pennsylvania. It's old, its sound is too soft, its tone is no longer vibrant, and so the assembly orders a new bell. Upon its arrival, this bell cracks during its first test sounding. So they recast the bell. A few months later, this bell too debuts to a muffled sound, so they try again. A full two years after the bell is first ordered, the third time is kind of the charm. The recast bell sounds good enough to hang in the assembly house. Within the year, however, another bell is ordered to replace it. No shipper agrees to take away the old bell, so they keep it for ceremonial purposes. Now, you might be asking yourself, why does any of this matter? I thought the scripture was about Leviticus 25. Why is Thomas giving us a history lesson about some centuries-old bell? This, this is the topic he chose for his first sermon with us? Here's why. Because two centuries ago, a group of people committed to the freedom of human beings looked at that old, cracked, and muffled bell and noted the inscription upon it, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and unto all the inhabitants thereof. Leviticus 25.10. That group of people, we call them abolitionists, they recalled a story of our ancient past and recognized what it was saying to them in their moment. They were so moved by that bell and its inscription, they published a poem about it. That poem actually gave that old cracked bell its name. The poem was called The Liberty Bell. And part of that poem reads, Ring loud that hallowed bell, ring it long, ring it long. Ring it till the slave be free, wherever chained, wherever chained. Till universal liberty for us be gained. Ring it till the bonds of sect be torn away, till every man, as God's elect, kneel down to pray. Those abolitionists looked at that bell, read its inscription, and then looked at this country. They saw an economy, indeed a whole society, upheld by the labor of enslaved Africans. They said, enough. They invoked this story of old and the hope that it might lead towards something new, that it might lead towards a time where they could indeed proclaim liberty throughout all the land. What might any of this mean to us today? I can think of a few things. The first is a careful reminder that this call for liberty was originally part of the year of Jubilee, a year that was recognized to be a period of rest from labor, of rest for land, of freedom from debts, and the return of those who had been enslaved. In its full context, the year of Jubilee is a year of economic justice. All of this sounds well and good, but we must recall that Leviticus is a book of laws. Laws often tell us how things ought to be, but not necessarily how they are. We have no evidence that a year of Jubilee 
in the manner prescribed by law ever actually took place. None. The abolitionists knew this, and yet they were called to pursue liberty nonetheless. They heard the still speaking voice of God and went to work. That is the nature of our faith. Looking back at our past, interrogating our present, and doing what we can to bring forward that future world where things on earth are like those in heaven. I admit that all of this is easier said than done. It requires us, all of us, to have faith in what we are doing and to talk about it, too. It requires us to be bold enough to put it in print, to say it aloud, to dare to challenge ourselves and those around us to rise, to rise to extraordinary standards. And all of this, all of this must be done in a world that is becoming increasingly convinced of what happens here, what happens in communities like our own inside buildings that look like this with texts and traditions that we hold dear, a world that is becoming increasingly convinced that none of this matters today. A few months ago, I talked with a minister at a UCC church in Des Moines, Iowa. We talked about the value of discussing our faith through storytelling. And something she said has always stuck with me. On our best day, Christianity can sing a more beautiful song for the culture. The song of those abolitionists based on Leviticus 25 was indeed beautiful. So my friends, my question for you is what song do we wish to sing today? Perhaps we should also ask why we are even here. Ask why we call ourselves Christian or why we choose this faith. After that, we might then consider what our faith looks like outside of this church and indeed why it should matter in the year 2021. Thankfully, if you're sitting here thinking about these questions, during Advent, you will have the opportunity to answer them. The adult deepening team and I are starting a narrative storytelling small group, and our hope is that the questions that I've just posed to you might be part of exploring and understanding our faith and beliefs as we view them today, as they might be in the days to come. As I went further into the rabbit hole of learning about the Liberty Bell, I learned that it is incredibly poorly constructed, among the worst ever made. 25% of the bell's 2,000 pounds is made up of tin, which is extraordinarily brittle, and so from the outset, it was susceptible to cracking. I think the same can be said of ourselves. We are not a perfect people. We too are susceptible to sounding muffled or cracking under pressure, and at the same time, we too can carve out a place for ourselves in the great story of our common lives. We too can be a part of singing a more beautiful song for the culture. And so again, beloveds, I ask you, what song do you wish to sing? Do you hear the still speaking voice of love? What story of old is that voice calling you to share in the world today? Are you willing to share it? 
do you dare? Amen.